Would every corporate benefit from having a CVC? I would say yes. But should every corporate have a CVC? And then I'll say no. Because if they don't have the right mindset, I think they will cause a lot more damage, not only destroying value, but also reputation along the way. And I, what I would like to see, the kind of corporates that I like to work with and could potentially work for, would be the ones who basically have, uh, you know, have that commitment to the time horizons that I mentioned before. So they understand that the time horizon for CVC might be longer than their own KPIs, and they're fine with that. Hello, and welcome to the Global Venturing Review Podcast from GCV. I'm Fernando Moncada. Setting up a corporate venture capital unit comes with a lot of hurdles. You have to deal with a wide range of stakeholders, and you have to find a place to fit within the wider corporate structure, much of which is not necessarily well-versed in the value that a venturing unit can bring. You also have to navigate different and at times competing motivations across various business units and the C-suite, all the while having to justify your existence and provide results. Mario Augusto Maya, who is now managing partner at advisory firm Cogent Venture Partners, talks about his experience transitioning from financial asset management to heading up a CVC unit in the biospace, and how the challenges therein are commonly found across the industry. We talk about the challenges of managing a legacy portfolio when setting up the unit, especially when you may have to regain the trust of those startups in that portfolio, as well as the need to educate parent companies about the value of CVC how to navigate an environment where you may have to reposition the unit during restructuring processes and much more. Mario brings a unique perspective to how to form a CVC from the ground up and leaves you with much food for thought. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the Global Venturing Review to catch all future interviews, and above all, enjoy the show. Well, I'm here with Mario Augusto Maya. Mario, how are you? It's great to great to speak to you. Likewise, uh, good to see you, Fernando. Great to be here. Absolutely. And th- 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 we usually start the show with a little bit about the guest. So you, do you want to tell me a bit about yourself and your background? Who is Mario Augusto Maya? Yeah, sure. So I'm an engineer by background, born and raised in Brazil. In my early 20s, moved to Australia, lived there for 17 years, and then have been now for the last five years in Denmark. I spent 20 years in global investment markets, so nine years on the sell side working for a global investment bank, and then six years setting up a global fund that was investing in food and agriculture. So that was back in 2011. So interesting enough, uh, back in those days, ag tech was primarily driven by a corporate VC, which was Monsanto, and food tech didn't really exist. So uh, early days into into that space. And then in 2018, I was approached by uh, a corporate an industrial biotech company to uh, to help them set up and run their their CVC. So that's when I made my transition from a financial investor and uh, you know, entrepreneur a little bit and advisor to uh, to become a, a corporate investor. Great, yeah. And you 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 spent a lot of quite a lot of time at as you mentioned the the investment bank, which I, I believe was Merrill Lynch, right? Yes. Yeah, about about five and a half years there, I think, in, in Australia, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And then, then you went to, uh, what, did you go directly from there to, to Novozymes in, in Denmark or was there an in-between? No, no, in-between I was uh, helping set up and, and run this, uh, this global fund that was investing in food and agri. So there was a, there was a gap between Merrill Lynch, which then became uh, Bank of America Merrill Lynch, thanks to the global financial crisis. And then I spent six years into uh, asset management and running a fund, which was a bit of a hybrid of listed and private. And then... Eventually, that took me to uh, to the corporate world somehow. 
Well, well, firstly, I'm curious, what was the change like going from Australia to Denmark? If, if nothing else, because of the climate, how, how was that transition like? Yeah, I mean, apart from giving up on 320 days of sunshine, right? <laughs> it was an incredibly smooth transition. Well, Copenhagen is a fascinating city. It's very easy going, very easy to, to, uh, to get by. And, uh, and we kind of try to embrace a little bit of the Nordic or, or Danish way of living. So for the first time in my life, I didn't have a car and I still don't have a car. So we just bike everywhere. And the kids, uh, which were probably were the, the major concern when you were moving countries with different languages, when you have small kids, it's always your biggest, biggest concern. But they're, um, they adapt, you know, the way they adapt here was incredibly easy. So, uh, it's, uh, it's been, it's been great. In, in many many ways absolutely like like we were talking about off camera i um i lived in copenhagen for a year so so that made me curious and i have really really fond memories of of my time there no 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 complaints at all so i i i haven't lived in australia so i can't make that comparison but yeah i i envy being able to to live there again and i i suppose then going from asset management to corporate venture capital is also a bit of a shock to the system right what, what were the things that you kind of had to the hurdles that you had to get over to to make that transition. In terms of uh, how does it feel to be a financial investor moving to a corporate, you know, it's a very different environment. They're very different. It's a very different setting. It's probably like having your first child. People will give you advice, but uh, you never really figure that out until you do it. But it doesn't mean that one environment is better than the other. It's really, or it's just different. So you just have to, uh, to embrace what's better and uh, absorb what's different and uh, try to make that work. So there are many interesting things about joining a corporate that I didn't fully appreciate being a financial investor, if you like. And I think probably the most relevant one was just an appreciation for the uh, corporate operating engine, the machine that actually makes the, uh, that corporate successful. And uh, we don't give that a lot of credit outside, perhaps just take it for granted. And, uh, and I think that's uh, something that's uh, working for one and seeing how it operates and how incredible that foundation is can give a very different perspective on it. And then you have the other side, which would be the nuances that you have to learn to, uh, to absorb and to, to navigate. And, uh, and I think maybe the first thing I came across was uh, that transition is that corporates do lots of free orgs. There's a lot of restructuring that takes place. And uh, even though we see them announcing one every now and then, between those that get announced to the market, which are the ones that are more material, there'll be another one or two that take place. So every 18 months, there is a reorg. And depending on the setup that your CVC has, you'll be you know, affected in some way or shape or form. So that's something to, uh, to be a, to, that for me was a little bit of a surprise because it just changes how you look about longevity for your, for your CVC and how you structure that. But I did learn that from very early on because within my third week, we had the first reorg. So that wasn't, was and uh, so that's one thing uh, that I noticed. One thing that you also have to learn to do is, there is a, perhaps a mismatch of time horizons between what a CVC does, particularly if you're looking to early stage investing, which will be long gestation companies, five, seven, 10 years plus, versus the general KPIs of most uh, executives and senior management, which will be you know, one, two, three years, sometimes four. So you have to understand that, that those motivations and, and those time horizons and those mismatches as well, because it's important so you can actually navigate and, and get them on board even if that doesn't necessarily has a material impact on that immediate KPI. So it's important to, to have that uh, appreciation early on. And then you have this other element, which I found uh, super, super interesting. 
which is the budget versus capital mindset. And uh, coming from asset management and, and, and from financial from financial background, obviously we give a lot of value to, to capital and, and capital returns and capital discipline. And when you join corporates, uh, you find that many parts of a corporate operate under budgets. And capital and budgets are quite different things in, in my books. Um, budgets are essentially money to be spent. You have to spend it by the end of your financial year. And in many cases, you see many functions just going and rushing to spend that before the end of the financial year so they can keep the same budget next year. So that the following year, the corporate doesn't think, oh, well, they don't need that much, right? That's it. So it kind of, it, it, and, you know, and then you can, you can judge if that leads to a, a really good deployment of that money or not. But on the corporate side, on the CVC side, you know, we deal with capital. So, uh, and uh, we can't just play those cards. So, and, and having all these stakeholders to understand that, some of them get it from the day one. Some of them require a bit more work. So it's just something to be aware because you're not necessarily going to change the way they are. But you just have to bring them this other perspective that you're deploying capital that carries you know, the expectation of delivering a return or creating value down the road and also carries this reputational element on top of it because you are deploying that externally, not internally, which perhaps makes the greatest difference between capital and budgets. So you have those, those nuances. And, uh, but at the end, what is really important is that you, uh, you spend time. And I think perhaps there was, the greatest lesson from working for in a corporate building a CBC was to make sure you spend as much time as you can early on understanding the motivations of all these stakeholders you have. So I like to say that CVC is a VC with complexity. So that's what the C kind of stands for. And it, because it, essentially you have to deal with so many different stakeholders, many of which have motivations which are not necessarily aligned with uh, you investing or creating value for the corporate. And you have to understand them early on because otherwise they can become significant roadblocks for you to be able to navigate and maneuver and execute in the best possible way. So the more time you can understand that early on and grasp that, the better it becomes for you to be able to execute later on. But it's a bet. Is, is that chiefly because obviously any role that you're in, you know, stakeholder management will be a part of it. So. When you were, you know, in financial asset management, that was obviously a part of it. But then all of a sudden, you come into a CVC role and you need to, to deliver some kind of strategic value as well, right? So addressing the needs of the corporate becomes that much more important. Is that, is that kind of what you mean? Like, how, how did that manifest itself? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think the importance is once you understand what matters to them, then you can find that commonality of why the CVC will benefit them. And uh, rather than assume that it's obvious that what you're doing creates value for the corporate, hence every stakeholder will be on board of it. Maybe that's how we, you know, that's a bit of wishful thinking scenario. Maybe that's why we, we thought the world would work, but it, it doesn't. Everyone will be, you know, caught up into their own function they do, their own business, and, uh, and they'll be driving those things. So, and that's why it's important to drive that so they understand how they benefit from it, achieve their own goals without detracting you for you from actually creating the value for, for the corporate in the long run. That's right. And, and when you joined, when you were, when you joined to create the CVC unit, right? Did you have to kind of build the whole portfolio from scratch or were there already kind of existing investments there that you had to fold in? When I joined, uh, I knew there were some, um, let's call it legacy investments or investments that were made prior to my, to my time, but I didn't realize there were quite a few of them, almost close to, to a dozen. So in many ways, one might think, well, but that isn't that doesn't make your life 
easier because it means they have already done it. So it's just a matter of you shaping it up. But look, it's a little bit like building a house. You know, it's, it's easier, cheaper, and faster to build it from scratch than trying to build a house on top of another house when the foundation of the first house has been built on sand. So it's, uh, it, rather than starting from ground zero, we're actually starting two levels down. And, and that's, uh, that in itself brings challenges for the CDC because you are not only working on building a, a new portfolio, construct a portfolio, and a strategic portfolio that can deliver those tangible outcomes uh, down the track, but you also have to restructure this old portfolio, try to see where you can extract value from it where there is a strategic value, where there is financial value, and treat those accordingly. And, uh, but also, in many cases, restore relationships with companies that perhaps the investments haven't been managed the way they, they could have. You know, so restoring the reputation becomes also very important. In ecosystems, they're you know, very small in the scheme of things. It doesn't matter how, how much capital goes into the ecosystems. We're so interconnected that anyone with a bad rap news spreads very quickly. So on building that or rebuilding that or restoring that was a big sort of priority in the early early days of uh, of the CBC. Mm-hmm. So how, how how do you do that then? So the way the way I we approach this was look we're going to have to look into those investments as if we're making them today and uh, we're going to go back into all those companies and try to understand what is the relationship we have with them do they fit into our strategic narrative and our goals if not we treat them as financial investments that we can few financial investments that we can exit at some point and, and reinvest the money back into the business, into the, uh, into the CDC and, and, and use that for more strategic investments. And uh, that all sounds you know, simple and, and done, but uh, you know, it's hard because you have to create the guidelines, create the procedures, create all the processes and systems that the CVC requires while, while also dealing with the legacy. And the legacy, one way or another, creates different behaviors within the corporate that now you have to try to change because they don't fit into how properly or uh, run CVC would look like. And uh, it goes back to perhaps the capital budget conversation. Many of the investments were made on the premise that uh, those are budgets. In fact, those capital or those money to be written off for knowledge. And that unintentionally created a, cap- a culture of perhaps capital disregard those investments and many investments took place and somehow no one was looking after them. Again, that was, that's one of the issues that you have to deal with. And so the idea was look, trying to look at the things that didn't work with those investments and showcase them on why we're building the CVC in a different way. And uh, in many ways, that helped us to do it. But again, you're almost running to, uh, to, uh, to uh, arms of a CVC at the same time, which, you know, it's, it's a lot more interesting than than the perhaps I expected, but it was also a lot more challenging than one I've hoped for. Right. So 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 perhaps reading between the lines here, but so the the kind of confluence between, to put it one way, the the kind of less than ideal portfolio management that was taking place before, and, and the kind of budget mindset. So that did that kind of put pressure on the 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 due diligence, for example, when those investments had to be made because they had to be made quickly at the end of a at the end of the year or something like that. Yeah, look, it's, it's interesting. And I think there was a, a study from Stanford that came out, I think, just this week, touching on this point as well. And, and I think the, the, the issue is that if, you are, if you're basically deploying money, saying, look, this is just for learning, you know, first of all, that will be affecting your assessment of those investments, right? You know, you're not really 
expecting to get anything out of it. So automatically, the bar is very low for how you're making those investments. So the due diligence will be questionable. How you manage that will be uh, suboptimal. And, uh, and I think all those, those, those elements, from perhaps from sides of the corporate, work to the advantage because they kind of, well, this is, so for us, it's just for the knowledge. It's just for some intel that we might get for a few months or a year, uh, and then kind of someone else has to handle it. But for the corporate side, it carries a lot of reputational, not damage, but, uh, well, in some cases could be damaged, but it just carries a lot of reputational risk that you're left around with uh, companies that you could potentially be working with in the future if they become successful or co-investors that you want to have on your new CVC, but don't want to be associated with you because, well, I've seen why you guys done that before. So I think one of the first things in that scenario that we to, to manage was really trying to, uh, to draw a line and approach all those companies from the basically, look, this is us as investors until this point, and this is us as investors going forward. And in many ways, I think what helped was the fact that we're coming from a, from a financial background. So we're investors. So we're investors first and foremost with the backing of a corporate rather than being a, a corporate sitting on the register, which was the kind of approach. And, and it's interesting to look at that because that's, that model, that legacy, that's not uncommon. In fact, many corporate VCs have done that to some extent. Some uh, invested more, some invested less. But I think that's, uh, that's something that I think um, we as an industry, as we evolve and as we become uh, uh, more sophisticated, we, uh, we hopefully we stop doing because I think it carries, carries a weight on, on, on the corporate, but also carries a weight on the industry. So, so which do you think is more of a challenge, kind of rebuilding those relationships with startups that you had on your books before or convincing potential new portfolio companies? That you know your 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 kind of new unit under a new kind of banner. I think working with the uh, with the uh, legacy companies that's uh, that's a longer longer road to uh, to restore relationships, right? So it's not just going to be a one conversation and you know being straight to the point and telling them this is what we're going to do this going forward. That helped. Uh, I think it, it it was a bit of a reset across most of them, not all. But again, you have to rebuild and, and regain trust, and that takes time. And it took years. For that to really play out in, in a way, and, and that's where it should be. And I think when we look into then making the new investments, we're already in a, in a much perhaps stronger position as, as a CVC than, the, than those kind of uh, concerns didn't flow from, uh, from those legacy investments to new investments. So, in many ways, that, that was never uh, a problem for us. Okay. Great. And you, you, you touched earlier on, on another kind of a hurdle that a lot of CVCs have to have to deal with, and that is, I suppose, sort of educating the parent company on on the value that CVC can bring, and 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 helping them see where the alignments can be between their kind of strategy and and what the work you guys are doing, even if the time horizons are a bit off. And so, wh- how, how did you go about doing that? Educating the uh, the parent company that was again, it's also a work in progress, and what you find is that depending on where you anchor. Uh, unless you are separate vehicle with dedicated capital, it's a lot easier to operate. But for most CVCs, which uh, you know link to a, a division or a link to a particular C level, you are you still very very close to the corporate side. And uh, what you find is that each C in your executive team looks at your CVC differently. And so I had the benefit of, uh, if I if I may say that, 
because I was across four of them. So every every year the the the, uh, the corporate investment function shifted from innovation and new business development to R and D and operations to finance to strategy. So uh, I had the you know the, the benefit of seeing how the CVC is perceived by them, what matters to them. But I also had to deal with the fact that you had to regain their backing on slightly different terms. But I think, uh, you know, making them understand that it was, there was something from the very beginning. And that was probably one of the first things I did when I joined, which was, look, these are the objectives. The objectives will be that over time, we'll be creating tangible value for the corporate. And tangible value doesn't come from selling equity stakes necessarily or from exits. If they happen, they happen. And it's a sign that those companies that we invested in did well. And that helped us to build a reputation as a corporate investor. So that's not a bad thing. But that wasn't the main motivation. Uh, the main tangible value would be coming generally from partnerships and collaborations that lead us to be selling new products, to be uh, reducing our uh, uh, operating costs, to be launching products faster to market, to be protecting market share. So will be aspects that we can quantify, they're tangible, and they have an impact on the business. And in one way or another, they're also kind of a financial financial benefit, but that's that's the that's the tangible aspect of it. So strategic investments they can deliver on that. And that was always the uh, the premise from the very beginning. As we move through the seas, some embrace that more than others. So you can imagine when you're on this strategy, they're more about oh we 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 don't really care about so much about that. We're more about insights and, and all those things. And uh, and I think maybe one of the successes of what we did was to be able to maintain that that core CVC and those, those core values and those core objectives the same as we moved and making sure that we got all the different anchors and stakeholders on board, even if those things were not necessarily fully you know, aligned uh, with, uh, with what they wanted. So, and I think that was, that was very important, but it's not an easy, not an easy task. And, and maybe that's what a CVC industry has positioned itself which is kind of really trying to separate the strategic from financial benefits. And, um, and I think uh, in many ways that kind of maybe that's working against us because you are, you are, we're creating different sets of CVCs or, or different approaches. And before I joined, I did spend a lot of time analyzing CVCs. That's what you do as, a, as an analyst. And, and for me, I, ne- I could never separate the two. Because right. ultimately, we can't really extract a lot of strategic value if investing in only companies that fail. So we got to be an investor. And uh, if we don't really care about the financial, we're probably going to be taking a lot more risk than we should on those investments, or we're not doing the assessment that we should, which means that we're not taking enough insights from the due diligence as we could as well. So again, we're missing out on the insights there. So for me, those two always go hand to hand. And I think you know, having that, having those two, I think has worked well for, for the way we, we operated. And, uh, and I think... Uh, now we are going through a period in the industry which will also help us define really where is the true value for CVC, given that we, are, we have become an umbrella for so many different, different tools uh, for internal innovation, external innovation. And uh, we'll be interested to see which ones uh, are truly relevant to the corporate because uh, we're going through a downturn and corporates will be cutting costs. And uh, if you are just purely providing insights, there is a risk that you position yourself as a cost center. And if that's the case, you could be on the radar for cost cutting. If, uh, if you combine that with delivering tangible res- returns to, or tangible value to the corporate, 
they can see and grasp. They say, no, we've got to keep this going. So anyway, I think we'll, uh, this will be put to the test as we go through this down cycle. And, uh, and maybe we should do another podcast in, uh, in two years from now and, 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 and test that hypothesis. Yeah, seeing how it goes. And I, I, I think that certainly the, the, the attitude seems to be shifting that way. So whereas before it was very much a sliding scale between financial and strategic, now it, you know, more and more units are saying, okay, no, we have to, no, we have to blur that line a lot more. And it's really about, about both. And I, I, I'm curious, you know, because you, you had to kind of go through a few restructurings and, and you, as you mentioned, you, you ended up coming under, you know, various different, shall we say, um, umbrellas within the business. The first one starting three weeks after you joined. How, how did that, was that value proposition in, in that pitch for the unit? Did you manage to kind of keep that the same throughout or did it have to change a bit whenever it got reorganized? Yeah. Also, from the first reorg onwards, it became, uh, the, the, the value proposition was the same with some uh, tweaks in language to, uh, to basically get uh, the stakeholders to, uh, to also to understand, you know, what are you actually doing? You know, it might sound uh, obvious to us because we work in, in the CVC space, but corporates that very, have very different levels of understanding of, uh, of what actually a corporate VC does and uh, what entitles you to go out there and, and what is required for you to go out there and, and deploy capital and the reputational aspect and all of those elements. So uh, you have to, uh, to be able to uh, massage those, the, the value proposition, even though the ultimate goals are the same, to, uh, to make sure that they become comfortable with it. So sometimes it's just, it, again, it goes back to your point about education. And, uh, and it's more about the language, you know, how sophisticated one part of the audience is and how not so sophisticated in that topic the audience is, and you have to be very much aware of that. To, to use a very crude analogy, you know, sometimes you have to you have to give the dog its medicine, but you have to maybe wrap it in a bit of ham, you know, bit or in something a bit tastier for it to, to go down well. Yes, yes, that's uh, that's fair enough. So, so looking back then at, at your time, you know, heading up that that CVC unit, what are your kind of major takeaways? And and you've touched on a few of them here, but when what advice would you give to others? Perhaps starting a CVC in similar circumstances, or having to go through some of you know the similar kind of turbulence that you did. Yes, look, I think it's interesting because you mentioned turbulence. I will probably say that, and I used to say like, oh, we, this our our setup is unusual, but it's it's actually not. I think that the unusual is the is the norm in in CVC land because every corporate will have its own nuances, its own cultural elements, its own approach to innovation. So I think that's what it makes it so intriguing and challenging, but also fascinating. Because you uh, you can't just take one template and try to apply to to deploy that into another company because it's unlikely to work. But there are a few things that I think will be um, important, and these are the things that I carry with, and these are the things that I tell my clients today. In addition to understanding the motivations of stakeholders, we'll be on focus on the area where you can have the greatest impact first, and deliver the goods there. So I think. Um, Many corporates, uh, many corporate venturings uh, are doing many different things, but very few of them are doing them all well. And uh, particularly if you're starting, just pick where you believe that your skills and the skills of your team can have the greatest impact and focus on that and be the best you can doing that. So you'll become relevant to the corporate, even if it's just on that specific vertical. It might be you're just doing incubation. You're, just, you're actually just investing. You're just doing partnership. Choose, choose your battles a little bit if you can to show that value and, and make that tangible. So you, uh, 
you have that to uh, to then allow them to give you more 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 capital down the track to to expand it. So try to do that. The other element, um, as an advice, I'll give to uh, to anyone in CVC land, but particularly the ones starting, it, would be uh, you know, be very critical of the corporate strategy because in many ways the corporate strategy dictates your ability to succeed or not. So many CVCs again, unless you are a separate entity pointing only to the CEO with this completely off strategy goals into build the company of the future and, and have dedicated capital. That's kind of the uh, the holy grail of, uh, of of a CVC for many. But most most of us are, are a function of the broader corporate strategy, and uh, and I think you have to you know you can you have two things that you could do. One is just hope for the best that it works. And, and keep doing what you're doing, or don't actually just go back into be objective about it, be critical about it. Put yourself in the shoes of an investor in your own company, because at the end of the day, you are right. You're an investor, so look at it and say, look, do I really believe this strategy is going to work? And this is not about going to the uh, to the executive team and, and saying this strategy is not going to work. This is this is not for them. This is actually for you. This is for your own mind and for what you're trying to do. So making sure that you are the the best possible environment to succeed. So if you do that exercise and realize, look, you know, I think this strategy has legs. I think it has everything it, you know, possible to potentially work. So then you're in the right place. But if you're not, then you will have a lot of thinking to do because you, uh, you know, have a lot more to lose than to gain. Because if that doesn't work, you will be impacted. You could even become collateral damage to it. But if you don't really believe in this strategy in the first place, chances are that by design, that strategy is dictating how you invest. So you're probably very constrained on how you can best, you know, best invest the capital you have in your hands. So you have to do some thinking about that. And, and again, just be an investor first and foremost and you know, back whatever views you might have and, and, and making sure that you are in the environment that will allow you to succeed. Because I think that's fundamentally the, uh, the issue that uh, we have with, uh, with corporates uh, trying to do it, even the ones who want to do it. They might not necessarily have the, the right mindset and, uh, and provide the right setting for the CVC to succeed. And then what kind of recourse do you have if, if you don't really agree with the strategy? Well, I think the options you have is um, you either go elsewhere or, right. or you look how we are, you maybe position your CVC to be, uh, to be somehow uh, looking beyond the strategy. So you, I would um, look at all those alternatives, but... Um, Again, it's not an easy decision because um, not many people will, would be uh, willing to just do that. But you want to do that for yourself because it, at least it helps you to be more granular and objective about what are your real chances of making this succeed. Because we already have the time uh, horizon mismatch that I mentioned that is always an issue. And you have many other challenges that come with being inside a corporate. But you've got to at least believe that this is going the right direction. And, uh, and if you don't, again, at least it's food for thought. And you, uh, you, uh, at least you, uh, you can plan your, your life and, and plan how you position the CVC, perhaps in a slightly different way, too. Well, I mean, that, that, I think that's sound advice. And, and, and advice is kind of, is kind of your, your, your business nowadays, right? You're, you're in that kind of advisory capacity. How's that transition been? Yes, look, it's it's great. I'm I'm loving it. I uh, you know I spent I've been involved with startup ecosystems since the 2000s, and uh, and I've I've been so many different roles and and seats. You know, from being an entrepreneur and and co-founder twice to be advisor to be financier to be a financial investor, corporate investor, board member, board observer, 
which is interesting because you, you get all these different perspectives and you, you also see, you start understanding how everybody else thinks and, and what motivates them, which I think is very important when you're part of the ecosystem. But for me, it was, you know, despite all these ecosystems becoming a lot more sophisticated over the last uh, decade or so, there's still lots of gaps that I see perhaps preventing founders and management from really uh, building the companies they want to build and, and realize the vision. Or it could be for corporates to, uh, to be able to take full advantage of what a CVC can offer them by having the right foundation in place. And, uh, and you know, in my last role, I started to really think through it. And, uh, and particularly in the fields that I'm more focused on, which would be around bioeconomy, synthetic biology, biotech. So all those roles where biology can play an important role into transforming our food, health, energy, and industrial systems. And those are a little bit more immature ecosystems where you, those gaps are perhaps even more pronounced. So that's why uh, you know, I decided to, to try to help solve some of those, those issues and, and try to, uh, to help fill out some of those gaps. And that's how I uh, decided to, uh, to, uh, to found uh, Cogent Venture Partners, which is an advisory firm, as, as, you, as you pointed. Fantastic. And, and so what, what, um, turning to the entrepreneurs then for a second, what advice would you give them when it comes to, for example, pitching CVCs that they might want to get on the cap table? I think it's, it's important. And, and one, one, and actually part of the advice I do with them is exactly on that, on making sure that they are building the, uh, the share registers that will uh, allow them to get to the end game. So it's not just this round and CVCs are complicated. But, you know, they can be incredibly powerful allies if you pick the right ones. But you have to do an incredible amount of diligence. In fact, the same diligence you're doing on your VCs, you do on the CVCs today. I would have said that maybe CVCs require more work two years ago. But I think now you, you should probably spend even more time with your VCs because so many of their portfolios are, have minefields and, and are blowing up that you really have to be incredibly careful about what kind of VCs you bring into the table as well. But I think if for, for a startup, it's just really having a very clear understanding, like what is the value that we can get from them? Is this an optionality that we have that they can scale for us or they can distribute this for us? And also try to understand how realistic it is from them to, uh, to make a partnership successful. And I think one of the, the benefits uh, and one of the learnings from working for a corporate was really that the appreciating how hard it is for a startup to engage with a corporate, which is one point. Uh, what, but what is even harder is actually to make those collaborations and partnerships work because um, in many cases, you enter those relationships with different set of expectations and in a corporate land, you know, there are different dynamics, uh, moving things, reprioritization of projects and so forth. And the startup has its own struggle. So I think you have to be very realistic and, and do a lot of DD trying to have a really good feel that if you get this corporate on board and they will become partners, that uh, you have some kind of confidence that that partnership and collaboration can be taken all the way to the end. And um, and I, that's you know I think that's the hardest part for for both sides is really to make those things work. And um, and again, I think that's probably one of the greatest challenges we're going to have now in this down cycle because you have the startups struggling with capital. And you have the corporates, you know, reducing budgets and cutting costs and reducing, you know, reprioritizing projects. So a lot of those collaborations and partnerships will be will be tested. And um, and I think again, if you are considering to bring a CVC to your register, 
try to think through it. I mean, you're still not going to have 100% clarity on it, but just try to see how that has happened with other companies that invested in, uh, why it worked, why it didn't work, could this apply to us or not, and, uh, and go from there. And, uh, and, and, and don't ignore them. I think CBCs will still be playing an incredibly important role. I, I'm still a big you know, advocate for it. And that's why I like to work with corporates uh, who have the right mindsets to set them up uh, in the right way. And I think they will be playing a significant role, but I think you just have to find the right ones for you and their feel. But if you find them, I think they can really unlock a lot of value and can, can accelerate a lot of value creation for the startup and, and for the corporate when this does align. Certainly. And, and especially in, in the kind of down cycle that, that you mentioned, what pitfalls or red flags should startups avoid? Look, I think it would be um, for, for in terms of startup versus the uh, corporates, or, or just in general dealing with uh, with the uh, with the down cycle. And well, specifically for for startups dealing with with the kind of corporate or, or or CVC side of things. But feel free to expand if you want. Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, I think it's it, it the kind of red flags you're looking will be again maybe corporates who have gone through a lot of uh, M&A deals in the last few years which means there will be a lot of restructuring a lot of integration taking place and the easiest way to really realize synergies is by cutting costs and on top of it you uh, you probably have many of those deals having been done on you know almost absurd valuations so they might even have to cut a lot more than, than otherwise they would in this downturn to try to justify that and, and try not to have to write down the value of it. And why does that matter to startups? Because it just means that many of those, we're not going to have startup collaborations and partnerships as a priority. Or it just means that a lot of your projects will be delayed or will be shelved, which just delays your, you know, your, your ability to reach milestones and which supposed to be taking your valuation to the next level. So I would be very, uh, not concerned, but I would be very cautious with, um, with the history of those corporates. And uh, again, it sounds like you almost have to be a, uh, you know, founders somehow have become investors themselves into the kind of people uh, and type of investors they can attract to their registers. But it's essentially what they need to do. So I'll be looking for that. I think that's one of the, the biggest uh, red flags you, uh, you will probably be facing. And that's a, that's a good starting point. That might not basically, uh, you know, be bulletproof, but uh, might help you remove some of the uh, most obvious corporates that for now are not the ideal partners. Maybe down the track, things change. But again, you just have to act with, uh, with the environment that you have in front of you. Right. And, and finally, I know I, I have to let you go in a few minutes, but to, maybe to close things off, you know, from, from the corporate side of things, then what can corporates do a better job of or what can they do more of to best help their CVCs or the wider ecosystem? I mean, we're in 2023 now, right? So corporates should have, you know, most of them should have some understanding of the value that comes from, from the CVC. And I, I personally see the CVC as an incredibly powerful tool to, uh, to be risk managing your know, innovation pipeline, to be turbocharging basically your, your, your growth portfolio, to helping you to accelerate and even on sustainability goes in a more actionable manner. So there are lots of benefits that a CVC brings to it. But I think what corporates need, if they want to do it, because maybe there are two questions there. One is that would every corporate benefit from having a CVC? I would say yes. But should every corporate have a CVC? And then I'll say no, because if they don't have the right mindset, I think they will cause a lot more damage, not only destroying value, but also reputation. 
along the way. And I, what I would like to see the kind of corporates that I like to work with and could potentially work for would be the ones who basically have uh, you know, have that commitment to the time horizons that I mentioned before. So they understand that the time horizon for a CVC might be longer than their own KPIs and they're fine with that. The ones that provide the backing that the CVC needs and the capital to be meaningful, they are willing to bring the right type of talent to help build the CVC. Sometimes you might find that inside the corporate, sometimes not. But you have to appreciate that many of those skills might be very different from what the majority of your employees might actually do. So you have to be open-minded to that. And last, but perhaps probably the most important one is that never treat your CVC as an experiment. Never go into that because you will never be able to realize any material value that will take that from being an experiment to or nice to have to become a must-have. And an experiment will never have the, uh, the structural setting that is required to be meaningful as well. So if you do that, if you, uh, if you, if you follow those uh, four, four rules, I suppose, then I think you're up to a good start. And, and, uh, and I think uh, these are the kind of corporates that I think potentially have the right mindset and should be pursuing CVC as a, as a tool for, for growth, for innovation, and for tangible value with, uh, with a lot of uh, strategic insights coming as, as a big bonus on top. Great. Well, I think that is a perfect note to close things off, Mario. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Fernando. I look forward to uh, catching up again in the future. And uh, thanks a lot for having me. You can catch the Global Venturing Review on any major podcast platform, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Just look for it and subscribe. We've got a great lineup of guests coming up in the pipeline from across the industry, so make sure you keep an eye out for new episodes every single Monday. I have been Fernando Moncada. Our sound engineer is Mark Chatterley from Inner Production, whose great work you can check out right now at innerproduction.com. And our music is by Kevin McLeod and a Creative Commons license. We'll be back again next week, as we always are. Until then, take care.